Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose and in this podcast I'd like to talk about the relationship between feelings and our child's behaviour. Now all of these things really relate to adults' behaviour as well but I'm going to be tailoring it more to really understanding this amazing relationship between feelings and behaviour. And actually before we even go into children I really would love to invite you to do something and you if you're familiar with your, my work you will know I often do this which is to ask you do your feelings have an impact on your behavior are there days when you feel a bit flat or a bit frustrated maybe you haven't had enough connection or enough support or enough empathy enough fun enough sleep Maybe you've got some unmet needs and maybe your child's asking you to play with them or to get you a drink, or to get them a drink rather, or to, for help with something and you respond in ways, you, you, just, you, you have these feelings, you don't really want to cooperate with them. Maybe you say no, maybe you speak in a harsh voice or maybe you do cooperate but you do it resentfully. Maybe there are other times where you've had some interaction maybe with your partner if you have one or a friend or a family member you can really feel some big old feelings bubbling up from the past and again maybe you're you notice that your interactions with your child are really different maybe you notice that um, they say one little thing and you have a big reaction or they um, you're speaking to them and they're not responding to you and you have a, a sense that they're not listening to you and again you you respond in ways that perhaps you really don't want to or perhaps you find it hard on those days to go to sleep and you wake up frequently in the night and you're ruminating about that thing that that person said to you. So it's really clear isn't it in our own experience that often our feelings have a big impact on our behaviours. Now babies and children are just like us. Their feelings have a really big impact on how they behave and I think this can be really really helpful to again put ourselves in our child's shoes and really remember that we're just like them and in, in all those really similar ways. So I'd love to start off with just talking a little bit about some of the different ways that children can have upset feelings. So I like to categorize it into two different things and this really comes from aware parenting and Aletha Salter's work and also how I've, I've learned a lot from nonviolent communication or MVC and I combine elements of that here too. So the way I see it there are two main types of feelings in children, there are three main types of feelings in adults and children start to develop that third way as well. So the first way is feelings that come from unmet needs. So again, if you think about yourself, you know, if you haven't had any empathy or understanding how frustrated you can feel, or if you haven't had enough connection with yourself, how spaced out you can feel, or if you haven't had enough rest and sleep, you feel all antsy and agitated. There are so many ways in which our unmet needs lead to painful feelings and the longer those needs get unmet, the more big feelings we have. So basically these types of feelings really 
alert us to our needs but what happens if those needs don't get met is those feelings start to accumulate and accumulate so it's not just a need that's going hey this needs me need need um, needs to be met but those feelings actually then start to accumulate so that even if we do get that need met those there's still some of those feelings left over in our bodies so again children are just the same as us and it's very easy for children to have unmet needs. Now, I really invite you to have lots of compassion for yourself. In our nuclear family culture, it can be really hard for us to meet the needs of babies and children, especially if we don't have much support, especially if we have multiple children, especially we have, if we have any um, challenges in our lives, which many or most of us do. It can be really, really hard to meet the needs of babies and children as in nuclear families. So I really want to remind you that it's really normal and inevitable that all babies and children are going to have some unmet needs just as a, as a byproduct really of living in the culture that we live in. The unmet needs that can be really common are need for connection, closeness, need to be understood, the need for autonomy and choice, that's often a really, really important need, particularly for children. Need for fun, need to understand what's happening, um, a need for protection from frightening events, um, a need for play, did we say that? Um, need for learning, a need for um, freedom to explore, understand their world so many needs really and in our lives as I say it's inevitable we're just not going to be able to meet all of those needs and so sometimes their upset feelings are indicating an, um, an unmet need in the present moment a need for closeness a need for connection a need to be understood a need for choice a need for autonomy a need for fun so some of the feelings that show up are about that but if there are chronic unmet needs so if they have a consistent need for um, to be understood and maybe we're just not quite understanding something about them they're trying to express to us then the feelings about that can accumulate and accumulate in their bodies so even if we do then understand there can still then be all these leftover feelings that they're still holding on to or expressing which are the, the frustration of not being understood. So that's the one type of feelings. The second type of feelings are feelings that come from frightening events, stressful events, um, traumatic events, painful events. So experiences they've had where they have felt even just overwhelmed. So that can be just for a baby or even a young child having a big day out, really big day out with lots of people and lots of stimulation. Um, you know, even a birthday party, I'm sure you've had that classic thing of birthday party. Your child can have a wonderful, wonderful time, but still at the end of the day, they can still be, they can still feel overwhelmed because of all the, everything that's been going on. You know, Christmas, family events, um, family get-togethers, going to big shopping centres, you know, that's just one time where they can feel big feelings and it's really natural for them to feel big feelings so again these are natural things that their bodies have their bodies are amazing their psyches are amazing as are ours and they feel feelings around all these kinds of things but it's not just overwhelm it can be 
if they've had, if we were stressed while they were um, in utero, that can lead to particular feelings depending on what was going on for us that they carry in their bodies. They can, um, if they had a stressful birth or traumatic birth, they can feel feelings of powerlessness or fear or overwhelm from their birth experience. You know, there's so much research now that's been going on for many, many years about pre- and perinatal psychology and, and the impact of pregnancy and birth on babies. There can be separation after birth. And so these feelings... If they don't get to be expressed, they'll be held in the body. You know, that's why if you've ever done anything like rebirthing or holotropic breath work, you know, these feelings, if they don't get to be expressed and heard, will hang around in the body for decades. Um, so that's the wonderful thing to remember. It's never too late to listen to feelings. Just as if you've done any kind of feeling into your own feelings from your own experiences as a baby or child, you know those feelings are still there. They will still come out in the here and now as if the experience was right happening right now. So really thinking into the worlds of our children and really seeing all these experiences, they, they have feelings about all of these or in relation to all of these things. There are so many things that if you want to uh, learn more about this. I have articles on my website which go into all the different things. It's marionrose.net. There can be so many causes of feelings, uncomfortable feelings from these kinds of things. It can be, you know, first day at daycare or preschool or kinder or play school, whatever you call it, um, or school. It can be arrival of a sibling. Big, big feelings for children. Big, huge feelings. Even, um, even when the sibling's in the womb and isn't 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 out yet, it can be really, really big feelings. When we're stressed, when we're not very present, when we're frustrated, they can have really big feelings about that. Um, if other children are taking things from them or pushing them or. Um, loud noises, um, things that they don't understand, um, stress between parents, separation of parents, basically so many things in our everyday life, just just the sometimes the overwhelm of um, you know noises from the phone or the washing machine or the vacuum cleaner, getting in cars, going into towns or cities, all these things can be things that Babies and children can have big feelings in relation to. It's really helpful to really, I think, as much as possible to put ourselves into our child's shoes. How might they be feeling right now? Because often things that we're really used to, they might be having quite a different experience. You know, we might be having fun hanging out with friends and being in a busy restaurant. They, it might be quite different from them. So often as much as we can putting ourselves in their shoes and really feeling into what what's what might they be experiencing right now it can be so helpful. So this is the second type of feelings and just like the first kind, when these feelings don't get to be expressed, they accumulate in the body. They accumulate in child, babies and children's bodies. So it can often seem like the most helpful thing, can't it, if your child's upset or is to try and distract them. You know, no need to be upset or jiggling or rocking or look at the aeroplane or, oh, we're having a lovely time or it's okay, sweetheart, we'll go and do this or 
um, giving them an ice cream or a biscuit or an apple or a cookie or a, I don't know, vegan, sugar-free, gluten-free, dairy-free, whatever is you're into, it can be so easy. It's actually, generally, can be very easy. Not always, but often it's really easy to distract our children from their feelings. And as I say, doesn't that often seem to be the most helpful thing? Well, it does, unless you've experienced yourself what it can be like to be continually distracted from a feeling that's bubbling up. Because what happens is when we distract our children from their feelings, those feelings are still there. What we're basically doing is we're taking our child's attention away from those feelings. We're taking, basically taking their attention away from their body, their own experience. And we're taking, really taking their attention onto something else. So basically their experience is still the same in their bodies. Those feelings are still there. All we're doing is giving them a sense of distraction to something else. And what then happens is these feelings accumulate and accumulate in their bodies. Now, I wonder if you've noticed this in your baby or child. You maybe noticed that perhaps when they were younger, they, they would fall asleep and maybe their arms would be, um, you know, up above their heads and they'd be relaxed and, um, you know, they'd go to sleep maybe, maybe quite quickly. Now, this isn't the case for all babies, especially if the baby's had quite a stressful time in birth or before birth or after birth. But, you know, maybe you saw them making lots of eye contact. Maybe they looked very relaxed. Maybe maybe you've seen these kinds of things. And maybe you've seen over time, particularly as your baby or child's got older, that they've tended then to maybe take longer to go to sleep or be really restless, more and more restless in their sleep or seeming to be able to concentrate less or seeming to be able to co cooperate less or just seeming not so happy. Maybe you've seen whining not, I'm not using that word in a judgmental way but you know that tone of voice what happens is these feelings accumulate and accumulate in the bodies and the paradox is that many of the things that we find most challenging as parents are often by no means all because there are definitely physiological things for some children um, and other aspects it can be environmental aspects can certainly be cultural aspects but many of the things that we find most challenging as parents are in many cases for many children caused by accumulated painful feelings which is really a kind of turns a lot of things on its head doesn't it but does it make sense to you that your child and you've probably seen that you know when they're feeling really relaxed and they're happy in themselves then they want to cooperate and they want to contribute and they want to cuddle into you and they and they're happy to get in the car seat and to eat the f food when they're hungry and to go to sleep when they're tired and to do all those things that of course are enjoyable for us as parents they're happy and they're smiling and their tone of voice is calm and warm so from this perspective that's how they most enjoy to be, and that's actually most connected to their true nature. That our child's true nature is, I call it the C's. There's three C's or ten C's, which depending on how, how deep you want to go, but connected, calm, cooperative, compassionate, um, creative. All these C words that actually is most connected to who they really are. And generally what 
causes all the things that we find most challenging, the agitation, the not being able to sit still, the not sitting down when they're eating, they're not being willing to eat, the, um, the kind of really being antsy, the avoiding eye contact, the um, wriggling around, the being silly and goofy, the taking hours to go to sleep, the waking up frequently, the waking up really early in the morning, um, the not being willing to cooperate, the hitting, biting, throwing things, pushing other children, pulling, taking, roughness with other children and with pets and with us, etc., 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 that all of these things, does it make sense to you that these are, in many cases, simply an accumulation of painful feelings that are showing up in the bodies? That means it's very hard for them to be calm and to sit still because their bodies are holding all these feelings inside. How can they? Because they're trying to deal with the agitation they feel. How can they really listen? Because their their bodies are full up with feelings. How can they really cooperate? Because they're full up with these feelings. How can they concentrate? Because their bodies are full up with these feelings. I'm sure you've experienced this yourself. It's really hard to think, to learn, to connect, to cooperate, to contribute, to sit still, to sleep peacefully, to be compassionate when we are full of feelings. And children are just the same of us, as us. Now, what were those third types of feelings that I talked about? Well, the third type of feelings really generally only come a little bit later on, and they're feelings that are caused by our cultural ways of thinking. So they're um, shame that comes from judgment and punishment and guilt that comes from should and um, the kind of depression that comes from you can't or I can't. Um, the, really the feelings that come from painful judgment. So those in my way of seeing things aren't things that a baby feels. They're actually, um, although they can in some cases they can feel that from being in utero. So if we're feeling a huge amount of shame they can feel that kind of biosmosis. But their minds aren't yet able to to judge themselves but they do learn that and, and they learn that from being around those kinds of um, thoughts and those feelings are quite different and um, often we have can have different ways of responding to those. So really what I wanted to give you the sense was that feelings have a profound impact on our child's behaviour and particularly those first two types of feeling but absolutely that third type too as they get older you know if they're being judged or punished or they've been um, judged or punished at school or by other children or shamed or those kinds of things and those feelings also have a huge impact on their behavior. So if this is the case then what can we do? What can we do? Well we can we can help them all, all of those three different types of feelings. So the first type is that we can do whatever we can to meet their needs and of course that's Often the most basic things is giving them as much connection as we are able to and we're resourced enough to, giving them as many choices as we can. Often a choice between two things can be really helpful, especially for younger children. Just really seeing how many times we can say, you know, I'd, um, I'd like to go to the car now, would you like to take your teddy or would you like to take um, the elephant? Would you like me to carry you or shall we skip along? depending on the age of your child, giving choices, do you want this toothbrush or that one, um, do you want these pyjamas or that one, 
Also, um, fun is a really primary need for children. So making things fun, meeting that need, can also make a huge difference. So just those in themselves, connection, choice and fun, doing what we can to meet those needs can make a big, big difference. But perhaps you're doing all that, and perhaps you're saying, but I'm doing all that, I'm doing everything I can to meet their needs, and they're still being whiny, agitated, and hitting and biting, throwing things and not going to sleep. And that's because of the second types of feelings. So we can we can meet their needs 100% of the time, but if they've got accumulated, which we're not going to be able to do probably, but if they've got these accumulated painful feelings, which all babies and children will have, it's inevitable, it's actually not possible for us to protect our children from having painful feelings. Even developmental frustration, that's a natural thing that all children need to go through at times, that feeling of frustration of, I want to be able to do this and I'm not quite able to. Feelings of frustration are actually part of that developmental process. It drives them to be able to do that thing. But often the frustration's there, it needs to be expressed. So the second thing we can do is to listen to those feelings. So that's if they're if they're having a big cry over something that apparently seems really small to us, to, to, to listen. I'm right here with you, sweetheart. I'm listening. I'm right here. Yeah, I see that you're upset. I'm right here with you. Listening in those ways. Listening to tantrums. Tantrums are therapy for kids in the majority of cases. Again, being present with them. Being they know that you're going to be there with them and you're going to stay. I'm here with you. I'm listening. Yeah, I'm right here. Often tantrums can be a really big release of frustration and powerlessness. Imagine, again, if you put yourself in your child's shoes, the kinds of things that they've experienced. So listening to feelings can be really important. If you want to understand more about this, I have lots and lots of resources on this element because obviously this is just the most briefest overview and actually the practice of listening to feelings and understanding you know, when there's a need that isn't met and when it's actually a feeling that needs to be expressed, that's, that's you know, takes some understanding and practice. And often there are ways which we need to learn to help those feelings come out because they learn from us ways of repressing those feelings, many, many ways of doing that. So again, I have lots of resources on that on my website, marionrose.net, have free articles, podcasts, videos, lots of things, free courses. And in the third type of feelings as well, the same thing, you know, to help them, well, the first thing would be to, as much as possible, avoiding judgments, punishments, shaming, power over, those types of things. So they're going to have the least possible of those kinds of feelings. But again, the second piece is the same as... Um, as what we've just talked about, really listening to those feelings and listening to the crying, the raging, the tantrums, being present, loving them unconditionally through those feelings, knowing that they're releasing them. And the more they get to release all that stuff, all those feelings, the more they can come back to that true nature, the calm, compassionate, connected, cooperative, able to sleep, able to concentrate, able to be creative, able to be open to new experiences. All those things are their true nature. So I wonder if this resonates with you. So this is just one perspective. As with all my podcasts, please listen to yourself. Well, I think that's one of the most important things in parenting is always to, the first thing is to listen in to yourself. Does this resonate with you? For anything that you hear or you read or you come across, you watch, 
does this resonate with you? Because I think that's the most important question we can ask ourselves first of all is, does this resonate? And if something doesn't resonate in your body, then I think it's really important to listen to your own inner wisdom and knowledge. If, if this does resonate with you, then perhaps you'd like to follow any of those resources further. Um, the next step I think is really important as parents is then to to try out, I don't like the word try, but you know, to, to play with the suggestions and then to observe your child. Are you seeing the difference in them that the, the method suggests? So, you know, from, from this work, what I love about it is it's really, really, generally really observable, the difference. And perhaps you've seen that. Perhaps you've seen your child have a really big cry or a big tantrum. And afterwards, they seem really clear and they're smiling and they want to cuddle up with you and they, they ask to help you and they sleep peacefully that night. And the wonderful thing about this approach is it's really, you can really observe the differences. So that's my invitation to you. In particular, you might enjoy my Making Friends with Children's Feelings course. There's a free introduction to that. There's also a paid um, course. They're both online. It's um, self-paced. And it really goes into lots and lots of detail about all of these things, that the three different ways that children and adults can be with feelings. That's um, expression, repression, and expression, and really tangible things that we can do to help ourselves remember and feel into a compassionate state of mind and body so that we can then respond in these empathic and effective ways. So there are really specific ways that we can respond to lots of different things. So in the course I go into detail on all of those, you know, what happens if your child is hitting or biting or throwing things? What specifically can you do to help them so that the underlying feelings come out so that you, you don't ever need to get harsh or punitive or distant. You can actually help them release those feelings so you're really changing the behavior at the root cause, which is what, I, what I've been talking about here is really by releasing the feelings, the behavior changes of its own accord. Um, there's also ways to respond to you know, all different other kinds of things, um, things like thumb sucking or... Um, issues around sleep, there are lots of really, really tangible, practical, um, detailed ways to respond that really help children express the underlying feelings so that whatever that challenge is can um, lessen and lessen and in many cases disappear. So I hope you found this helpful. It's really coming back to, I think always really helpful to ask yourself, do your feelings have a really big impact on your behaviour, particularly how you are with your child? And does it make sense that your child or children are the same? And does it also make sense that the more we can meet their needs, listen to their feelings and respond in respectful and compassionate ways, um, the more they can be freed from painful feelings and the more they can be their true self, connected with themselves, connected with others, connected with the planet, Calm, compassionate, connective, creative, concentrating, sleeping, um, you know, and having really a, an easier time in life because it's life is a whole lot easier if we're not carrying around so much um, emotional. I don't really like the word baggage, but you know, repressed emotions so much easier 
um, and really makes a huge difference on the whole of our lives. So the, the other thing about this is it has a really long-term effect on their emotional well-being and physical well-being and all kinds of other well-being too. So I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, have, all my stuff is on my website, marianrose.net, and I look forward to talking to you in the next podcast. Lots of love. Bye.